The following was recorded by John Loth and is intended for educational purposes. This recording is not to be sold or distributed for sale. If you wish to support the work and publishing of these recordings, please visit the John Loth Patreon page. If you come across these recordings anywhere else without my expressed support and find that they are requesting donations for presenting this work to you, you will not be supporting the creator by doing so. This is just a friendly warning to anyone who may fall prey to predatory practices I have come across recently. The Grand Chessboard by Zbigniew Brzezinski Chapter 6 The Far Eastern Anchor An effective American policy for Eurasia has to have a Far Eastern anchor. That need will not be met if America is excluded or excludes itself from the Asian mainland. A close relationship with maritime Japan is essential for America's global policy, but a cooperative relationship with mainland China is imperative for America's Eurasian geostrategy. The implications of that reality need to be faced for the ongoing interaction in the Far East between three major powers, America, China, and Japan creates a potentially dangerous regional conundrum and is almost certain to generate geopolitically tectonic shifts. For China, America across the Pacific should be a natural ally since America has no designs on the Asian mainland and has historically opposed both Japanese and Russian encroachments on a weaker China. To the Chinese, Japan has been the principal enemy over the last century. Russia, the hungry land in Chinese, has long been distrusted, and India, too, now looms as a potential rival. The principle, my neighbor's neighbor is my ally, thus fits the geopolitical and historical relationship between China and America. However, America is no longer Japan's adversary across the ocean, but is now closely allied with Japan. America also has strong ties with Taiwan and with several of the Southeast Asian nations. The Chinese are also sensitive to America's doctrinal reservations regarding the internal character of the current Chinese regime. Thus, America is also seen as the principal obstacle in China's quest not only to become globally preeminent, but even just regionally predominant. Is a collision between America and China, therefore, Inevitable? For Japan, America has been the umbrella under which the country could safely recover from a devastating defeat, regain its economic momentum, and on that basis, progressively attain a position as one of the world's prime powers. But the very fact of that umbrella imposes a limit on Japan's freedom of action, creating the paradoxical situation of a world-class power being simultaneously a protectorate. For Japan, America continues to be the vital partner in Japan's emergence as an international leader. But America is also the main reason for Japan's continued lack of national self-reliance in the security area. How long can this situation endure? In other words, in the foreseeable future, two centrally important and very directly interacting geopolitical issues will define America's role in Eurasia's Far East. 1. What is the practical definition and, from America's point of view, 
the acceptable scope of China's potential emergence as the dominant regional power and of its growing aspirations for the status of a global power. As Japan seeks to define a global role for itself, how should America manage the regional consequences of the inevitable reduction in the degree of Japan's acquiescence in its status as an American protectorate? The East Asian geopolitical scene is currently characterized by metastable power relations. Metastability involves a condition of external rigidity, but of relatively little flexibility. In that regard, more reminiscent of iron than steel. It is vulnerable to a destructive chain reaction generated by a powerful jarring blow. Today's Far East is experiencing extraordinary economic dynamism alongside growing political uncertainty. Asian economic growth may in fact even contribute to that uncertainty. Because prosperity obscures the region's political vulnerabilities, even as it intensifies national ambitions and expands social expectations. That Asia is an economic success without parallel in human development goes without saying. Just a few basic statistics dramatically highlight that reality. Less than four decades ago, East Asia, including Japan, accounted for a mere 4% or so of the world's total GNP while North America led with approximately 35 to 40 percent. By the mid-1990s, the two regions were roughly equal, in the neighborhood of 25 percent. Moreover, Asia's pace of growth has been historically unprecedented. Economists have noted that in the takeoff stage of industrialization, Great Britain took more than 50 years, and America just somewhat less than 50 years to double their respective outputs per head, whereas both China and South Korea accomplished the same gain in approximately 10 years. Barring some massive regional disruption within a quarter of a century, Asia is likely to outstrip both North America and Europe in total GNP. However, in addition to becoming the world's center of economic gravity, Asia is also its potential political volcano. Although surpassing Europe in economic development, Asia is singularly deficient in regional political development. It lacks the cooperative multilateral structures that so dominate the European political landscape and that dilute, absorb, and contain Europe's more traditional territorial, ethnic, and national conflicts. There is nothing comparable in Asia to either the European Union or NATO. None of the three regional associations, ASEAN, Association of Southeast Asian Nations, ARF, Asian Regional Forum, ASEAN's Platform for Political Security Dialogue, and APEC, Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Group, even remotely approximates the web of multilateral and regional cooperative ties that bind Europe together. On the contrary, Asia is today the seat of the world's greatest concentration of rising and recently awakened mass nationalisms, fueled by sudden access to mass communications, hyperactivated by expanding social expectations generated by growing economic prosperity, as well as by widening disparities in social wealth, and made more susceptible to political mobilization by the explosive increase both in population and urbanization. This condition is rendered even more ominous 
by the scale of Asia's arms buildup. In 1995, the region became, according to the International Institute of Strategic Studies, the world's biggest importer of arms, outstripping Europe and the Middle East. In brief, East Asia is seething with dynamic activity, which so far has been channeled in peaceful directions by the region's rapid pace of economic growth. But that safety valve could at some point be overwhelmed by unleashed political passions once they have been triggered by some flashpoint, even a relatively trivial one. The potential for such a flashpoint is present in a large number of contentious issues, each vulnerable to demagogic exploitation and thus potentially explosive. China's resentment of Taiwan's separate status is intensifying as China gains in strength and as the increasingly prosperous Taiwan begins to flirt with a formally separate status as a nation-state. The Paracel and Spratly Islands in the South China Sea pose the risk of a collision between China and several Southeast Asian states over access to potentially valuable seabed energy sources, with China imperially viewing the South China Sea as its legitimate national patrimony. The Senkaku Islands are contested by both Japan and China, with the rivals Taiwan and mainland China ferociously of a single mind on this issue, and the historical rivalry for regional preeminence between Japan and China infuses this issue with symbolic significance as well. The division of Korea and the inherent instability of North Korea, made all the more dangerous by North Korea's quest for nuclear capability, pose the risk that a sudden explosion could engulf the peninsula in warfare, which in turn would engage the United States and indirectly involve Japan. The issue of the southernmost Kuril Islands, unilaterally seized in 1945 by the Soviet Union, continues to paralyze and poison Russo-Japanese relations. Other latent territorial ethnic conflicts involve Russo-Chinese, Chinese-Vietnamese, Japanese-Korean, and Chinese-Indian border issues, ethnic unrest in Xinjiang province, and China's Indonesian disputes over oceanic boundaries. See map above. The distribution of power in the region is also unbalanced. China, with its nuclear arsenal and its large armed forces, is clearly the dominant military power. See table on page 156. The Chinese Navy has already adopted a strategic doctrine of offshore active defense, seeking to acquire within the next 15 years an ocean-going capability for effective control of the seas within the first island chain, meaning the Taiwan Strait and the South China Sea. To be sure, Japan's military capability is also increasing, and, in terms of quality, it has no regional peer. At present, however, the Japanese armed forces are not a tool of Japanese foreign policy, and are largely viewed as an extension of the American military presence in the region. The emergence of China has already prompted its southeastern neighbors to be increasingly deferential to Chinese concerns. It is noteworthy that during the mini-crises of early 1996 concerning Taiwan, 
in which China engaged in some threatening military maneuvers and barred air and sea access to a zone near Taiwan, precipitating a demonstrative U.S. naval deployment. The foreign minister of Thailand hastily declared that such a ban was normal. His Indonesian counterpart stated that this was purely a Chinese affair, and the Philippines and Malaysia declared a policy of neutrality on the issue. The absence of a regional balance of power has in recent years prompted both Australia and Indonesia, heretofore rather wary of each other, to initiate growing military coordination. Both countries made little secret of their anxiety over the longer-range prospects of Chinese regional military domination and over the staying power of the United States as the region's security guarantor. This concern has also caused Singapore to explore closer security cooperation with these nations. In fact, throughout the region, the central but unanswered question among strategists has become this. For how long can peace in the world's most populated and increasingly most armed region be assured by 100,000 American soldiers? And for how much longer, in any case, are they likely to stay? It is in this volatile setting of intensifying nationalisms, increasing populations, growing prosperity, exploding expectations, and overlapping power aspirations that genuinely tectonic shifts are occurring in East Asia's geopolitical landscape. China, whatever its specific prospects, is a rising and potentially dominant power. America's security role is becoming increasingly dependent on collaboration with Japan. Japan is groping for a more dented and autonomous political role. Russia's role has greatly diminished, while the formerly Russian-dominated Central Asia has become an object of international rivalry. The division of Korea is becoming less tenable, making Korea's future orientation a matter of increasing geostrategic interest to its major neighbors. These tectonic shifts give added salience to the two central issues posed at the outset of this chapter.